Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Grain of Salt. Welcome back. Good to be with you. I just sat down with my friend David Livingston over Zoom, of course. Uh, He's in Madison, Wisconsin, um, and we had a fantastic time hanging out together. I hope you guys will enjoy this. I know you'll enjoy this one. Uh, We spent a good amount of time talking about uh, his study habits, reading the Bible. He's an amazing Bible scholar, theologian, whatever you want to say, a great Bible teacher. So we talked about um, just kind of his, I don't know, his rhythms with that. And then we spent a good amount of time talking about the obvious coronavirus and kind of his new rhythms that he's built around that. Oh, and we started with the funniest story ever of him as a prankster in high school. You guys will quickly hear it's hilarious. Um, one little announcement for you is Dave mentions it in the podcast, but he has a podcast that he's doing with Ronnie Goble, who's the director of salt company up in Madison. They're calling it table talk. So you guys should look that up this Thursday. They're talking about, uh, five rhythms that Christians should have in the age of coronavirus. So, you know, after you're done with this episode, go check out theirs and, uh, give them some love subscribe to him whatever uh but without further ado here is my friend david livingston all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to this episode of the grain of salt i am joined today by my first ever ministry boss a longtime friend <laughs> david livingston what's up dave Man, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All hunkered down in Madison. Yep. Yeah, I'm in my basement. Um, nice. I've got two two small windows that I can look out of <laughs> most of the day, so I can see blue sky from here. But there's that's good. I have like a cover over my window, so that but the yeah. cover's broken, so I can see like a tiny little good. bit of the sky, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting next to my double doors and my little living room so I can see the sun. I love it. The sun hits, it's like a south facing back door. So there's always sun coming in these, these doors. I love it. Nice. It's good. Um, so Dave, I would love to start off talking about one of probably my favorite story of you. I was trying to think, you know, what do people need to know? Like when I think of Dave, what's something that people need to know as we start off? Your story of being the notorious pranksters when you were in high school. Oh man. Gotta be some of the funniest stuff <laughs> I've ever heard. You gotta tell people, you can go as in depth or, you know, as service as you want, but like, what's up with that story? <laughs> well, which, which one? I, I don't, which, which, which one do you want me to tell? The one that was like talked about on the message board. Oh yeah. I got in the newspaper. Yeah. Yes. The one in the newspaper. <laughs> oh man. And you never got caught, right? No, we never got caught. We never got caught. God knows. God knows what we did. <laughs> he does we never, know. We never got caught. No, so me, yeah, me and my friends back in high school, um, <laughs> man, it's hard to figure out how to tell this story shortly. I mean, I think we, we, can, were, we, we went to a, a Christian time. school. Okay, we went to a Christian school. <laughs> and so, you know, because of that, I think we were, but we were, you know, rebels at heart or these, you know, group of pretty intense high school kids are trying to figure out mm-hmm. some way to rebel, but you know, we're like kind of going to Christian school. So I think maybe our rebelling is different than the average, you know, yeah. the average kid in high school or something. But we started uh, just pranking people a lot and that became kind of the thing we did. And uh, 
<laughs> the prank, you know, the pranks, I think originally kind of started off pretty like tame, pretty simple. It was like, you know, adorable ditching, that kind of stuff, but it eventually just kind of escalated. And so, yeah, this, this thing you're, this thing you're talking about was a <laughs> night where we were bored. And so we went out at like, I don't know, 10 PM or something. And we were just like, yeah, let's just go adorable ditch some people, whatever. That'd be kind of fun. You know, we're just trying to figure out some way to entertain ourselves. And yeah, so we ended up going around and adorable ditching some people and, and, uh, you know, one of the guys who came out and uh, he, you know, like one of the dads came out or something. It was like, boys, like, you come back here again, I'm going to kick some beep. You know, he like, you know, <laughs> he's like cursing at us and stuff. And we're like, oh, this is perfect. Like, we're going to totally That's mess like with this guy. That's like your new target. You're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah this it is was good. like, yeah, as soon as that, we were like, this is exactly who we're going to mess with the rest of the night. So, you know, we double yeah. from a bunch more times, whatever. And, uh, but, th- but so then later that night, we ended up, you know, pretty bored and we found this like, we found this huge pipe and so we ended up just like walking through our neighborhood and you got like we're just literally trying to find something to do like we were just bored and so yeah we start we realized that we bang this pipe on the ground it starts making this like super loud reverberating noise like this uh-huh. like it's like sounds almost like religious like this like, like really loud gong sound and so we ended up like walking up to this guy in his his front yard and and uh, he and we were just like, hey, I was like, hey, everyone, get behind me, get behind me. They're like, okay, okay, okay. So they get behind me, and, and we end up just walking up to this guy, like banging this on the ground, and so it's like, wong, wong. <laughs> and we we just walk up to him, and he goes, what is what is going on? And he's so confused, like unbelievably confused. He's like, but you're like br- standing in front of him. Oh yeah, we're right in front of him, like walking yeah. up with this, and so I, I hold it out, like. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, like a present or something. But I'm holding out this giant pipe, and I just walk an up offering. to him, and we in offering. We all do. We kneel down, and I just I hand it to him, and he just goes, "What is this?" And he grabs it and just goes, "What is this?" And we just like stood back and walked away, and we just like we're slowly walking away, and he's literally yelling, holding this, "What is this?" <laughs> he's like so confused. And we were like, that was amazing. That was so random and hilarious. And that guy's going to think about this for weeks. And so we ended up going and getting a bunch of bowls of fruit and we just started doing this where we just walk on people's houses and we'd like oh as soon as they'd gosh. open the door we made up this like long this long thing about how we're you know like we're obviously just a bunch of white boys from like the yeah, suburbs, yeah. Right? but we're like oh from, from this tribe and here's this fruit it's a piece of offering or something <laughs> so anyway okay that was like way earlier in the night but um the thing that ended up happening later that night is we ended up going to a junkyard that we found near our house <laughs> And, you know, we didn't even really connect the dots, but this guy we had doorbell, we had doorbell ditched. We were like, we need to mess with this guy more. And so we ended up getting like a massive amount of just junk, like a fridge, you know, I mean, like all of this just super like traffic pylons, like old rusted tricycles. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And so we ended up like hefting this stuff over this like, you know, junkyard fence. And we ended up just basically spending eight hours that night while everyone's asleep, (laughs) piling all of this stuff up in this guy's lawn. You know, because we're trying to figure out, like, what's a prank that we could do that that guy would just wake up the next morning and just be like, I've made a massive mistake. And I, yeah. you know, and so, and also just not know what to do with it. Because we thought that was yeah, the funniest, yeah. the funniest pranks were the things that weren't like truly destructive, but just people go, yeah. what the heck am I going to do? <laughs> so anyway, we did that and uh, we ended up just doing it like every weekend for like two months. And so for like two months, we just the same thing. We just more and more stuff and you couldn't get rid of it. Because what are you going to do? What do you do with a, a fridge? What do you do? Nothing. That's what was so right. funny about it. It's because this stuff right. just keeps piling up on this guy's lawn. And he's getting more and more frustrated. But anyway, <laughs> it ended up all kind of culminating where he like called the cops and then like the, I mean, the chief of police lived in our neighborhood. And so they ended up like creating the sting operation where they're going to try to catch us and like catch us in the act. These like, you know, vandals that are leaving 
yeah. like pylons in their yard and stuff. And uh, it ended up getting written up in the newspaper. And yeah, if you if you search Pranksters Peoria, it's still like one of the very I think it's like the first yes. hit you get is the the story. Highly recommend everybody goes and reads that because hearing your side of the story just makes like their confusion so funny because like it was you and your friends when you were dumb and in high school and <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so we thought we funny. were we thought we were pretty funny it is a weird thing because it is like you know being being a christian now i'm like i had to wait a really long time to tell my dad that that yeah. it was me doing it because yeah. we knew about it. you know we'd look down the street and be like oh my gosh where's a 14 foot boat sitting against this person's front door oh you know like gosh. we me and my dad once answered the door like in the morning like a saturday morning and cops knocked on my door and i opened it up and it was right after we had just pulled like the biggest version of this prank and the very first words and i'm standing next to my dad and my dad kind of knows something's up he's like not an idiot but he also didn't <laughs> totally know um and he's this cop literally just asked like did you lose a 14 foot boat and i like somehow kept it together like i have no idea how i did oh my but i goodness. kept it together my dad's standing right next to me and we both just like lean our head out and look down and there's like just caution tape and just junk like oh junk like goodness. so much junk in this person's lawn and their driveway and so anyway i had a, i waited a really long time to tell my dad that we did that because i knew he would make me apologize yeah and uh but yeah they, they moved away and and uh yeah, the mystery is still on. unsolved. The mystery is still unsolved. Yes, I think if That's I was, amazing. yeah, I don't know. But that, those are some of my pranking days, man. Now that I'm in ministry, I don't, I don't do pranks, and it kind of makes me sad because they were pretty fun. You should get back into it. <laughs> yeah, I really should, shouldn't I? Well, I got a son, so I'm sure he'll continue my legacy. Yeah, how's he doing? Dude, he's great. He is fantastic. How he, old is he now? Uh, I don't know how many months, like. 15 he's december 5th is his, his birthday so he's nice about a year and a half now and he, he's amazing man running everywhere like his he just like super happy he loves to laugh his favorite thing is to, like stand up on high like high edges of the couch and just like fall on you and like nice. laugh hysterically doing it and do it for like an hour good yeah he's he's great he's great that's awesome man cool dude another thing i was thinking of is uh you're on the first episode that we released on this it was you, me, and Mitchell. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, when we thought of this, you know, this was, like, part your brainchild, too. This and is when it was truly just a grain of salt in our minds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it was, like, nothing. And, dude, we tried. Remember when we did the first episode um, behind the stage or whatever? Like, yeah, in that storage yeah, room? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But the sound quality was terrible. And we were just, like, literally trying it out. And then we ended up re-recording that one with Mitchell. And that's the first one we posted, I think. Okay. Nice. And then I think we did a few more, but I don't know if... Yeah, anyways, you, you're part of this from the beginning, and so now here it's you are. Fun. So yeah, it's cool. fun, yeah. It's fun to be on it, man. It's fun. Yeah. So, Dave, one of the things that when people think of you, they think of you as a an amazing Bible teacher... Uh, somebody who's really passionate about the scriptures. I mean, you would say that yourself too, that you love studying the Bible, understanding what it says and teaching people how to do what it says. So like, where does that, the passion for that come from? Did you have any like formal training in that? You know, what if somebody's like, uh, you know, I want to learn how to read the Bible more. I want to study the Bible more and enjoy it more. Where does that come from for you? Man, that's a great question. Um, well, it started, I mean, it started for me in, I mean, it started honestly when I was, growing up like so my dad is not 
he's not a, a Bible teacher. Like that's not what he does, but he's definitely like um, a theologian. And so I, I, mm. I grew up, you know, I remember when I was turning 16, you know, my, my dad, his idea for how to get me money to get a car was to give me a hundred dollars for every book I read. And wow. the books he was had me read are like John Owen and, uh, you know, John yeah. Calvin. I mean, all these like old dead great saints, like he's like, read this. And it was like pretty deep, heady the- theology, but like that shaped me a lot. And mm. so I think I came into college with already like some theological backbone, but it really was like coming to Salt Company freshman year, hearing the mm-hmm. gospel, falling in love with Jesus. Like my life turned upside down freshman year. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I, I had plans for my life. I had a huge like vision of what I wanted to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a chemical engineer. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to travel, you know, all this different stuff. And I met Jesus and it was like, dang it. Like if this is true, mm-hmm. this is the only thing that matters. Like nothing, nothing else matters. Everything is like such a distant second that it's, it's pointless to compare. Like this is the single thing that matters in the universe is that Jesus is king. He died for our sins. He rose again. Like that is the truth that defines everything or it's totally meaningless. And, and I need to just walk away from it, you know? And so I became very convinced that this is, this is true. And if it's true, then it means that the Bible is like the revelation of God, you know? And so if, you know, I've always kind of described myself as someone I, I feel like when I'm on my own, I'm like someone who's lost in the woods with a broken compass, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. sometimes I know where true north is because I have this compass. Mm-hmm. That sometimes it's working, but sometimes it's not. And so I think the Bible for me is something that, it's, it's it's truth, you know? Like, if I don't have the Bible, I don't know what's true. Because I have ideas, I have thoughts, I have emotions, I have a heart. I, I can look out at the world and view things and think about things, but I don't actually know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm on. I don't know if my compass is pointing north. But when I read the Word, I know it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, at least that's kind of the conviction that I have is that, you know, I've chosen to follow Jesus. And I've chosen to basically stake my life and my future and really everything on this book. You know, and so if this book is bunch of crap then i'm i'm pretty screwed you know because i really am like choosing to live my life entirely under submission to it Mm -hmm. so a question that i wrote down as you were talking that popped in my head is you came into college with those huge aspirations to do whatever you ended up Mm -hmm. doing what graphic design no, I, I that was my first job with Salt Company, and it was oh. f- so funny because I didn't even I didn't even major in that. I <laughs> do when I got, when I became a, the graphic designer of Salt Company, I had never designed anything ever. Wow. I just somehow convinced Cody Klein, he's you know known the pastors <laughs> at at uh, Candeo. I just convinced yeah. him. I was like, Cody, I will be great at this, and I'll learn how to do it. I mean, it was totally like fake it till you make it kind of thing. That's amazing. Um, like I had done photography and stuff, but. Had never, yeah. yeah, never had done that. But that was my first job after college. Was yeah, graphic design. No, I ended nice. up graduating communication studies, oh, which is okay. a super similar field to chemical engineering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that was my thought. Is you came into college with these aspirations of chemical engineering, and then you ended up doing communication studies or whatever. That eventually led you into ministry. Yeah, and because you're like, you know, if this is if this is God's truth, then that means nothing else even compares to this. And that lead that led you and some people into ministry, but I know you're not saying this, but what would you say to the people who were like, "Oh, well, I believe the Bible is true, so should I go into ministry too?" Like, where's the place for people who love God's word just like you do, but are still in the real world? You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that no matter who you are, you're in ministry, right? I think yeah. you're, that's like the vocation we've all been given is to be an ambassador for Christ, you know, mm-hmm. like, and so I love, you know, I even like love the Indiana church plant, right? Embassy church, like mm-hmm. what a cool, 
what a great picture of what we are. Like we are ambassadors, period. And so I think no matter who you are, like you have ministry, you are a missionary to like your culture and your people. And and so I think the question is just in, in what way do you live that out? And so I think for me, you know, in Salt Company, I started, you know, leading as a normal connection group leader. I started like opening the Bible with people. And the thing that just became pretty quick, pretty clear is just there was people started to kind of value some kind of voice I had, right? I mean, I don't, it's mm-hmm. just like kind of in group. That just kind of happened where it was like, oh, we're reading this passage. Oh, David, what do you think? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I think this is maybe what it means. And so there began to be some of the spiritual gifts that God had given me, I think, began to kind of flush themselves out as a student leader. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't pursuing ministry. I mean, in some ways, ministry was the last thing I ever wanted to do. You know, it's not right. like, right. you know, I don't think anyone... <laughs> as a non-Christian is like, oh, I just really want to be a pastor someday. <laughs> it's just like not, <laughs> it's not what you want to do with your life. I think it's just something that like, it's a calling that eventually you just feel deep within you. And so I eventually just got to a place where I was like, I think this is what I'm, I have to do. You know, I just, mm-hmm. it felt like God had given some gifting that was like a stewardship. And it was like, I don't actually feel the freedom to not do this, right. you know, cause there's, there's part of me, like I want my life to matter and I want, you know, I want to like use everything I have, but I, I could totally go and be a mountain guide in Colorado and like really enjoy my life, mm-hmm. like raise mm-hmm. my family, like be awesome, like lo- like raise my kids to know Jesus, like be part of a local church. I could totally do that. The reason I haven't done that is just because I feel like for me, God has told me very clearly, like you actually need to preach the word. Like you have to do this. It's like yep. one, it's the one thing in life I feel like I have to do. Um, and so, yeah, that was something that became clear over a season of life, but also just people who, I really loved and respected, like speaking into my life saying, no, we think you should do this. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Nice. Um, you did a breakout at the conference yeah. on spiritual yeah, disciplines, with Luke. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. He was on last week, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, nice, yeah. Um, and you guys talked about spiritual disciplines. I'm sure you talked about studying the Bible in there. Um, so what did you, like what are your uh, rhythms look like now? Uh, with studying the Bible, just like still feeding yourself. Cause you've been doing this for a long time and you're like, you know, you've yeah. read it plenty of times. So how are you still reading it, benefiting from it, studying it, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, so, so Silas is like, yeah, over a year old now. And so my life changed hugely when he came. I mean, just yeah. a lot, you know, my life changed a lot when I got married, the normal rhythms I had of like pursuing Christ, like spiritual disciplines that, you know, they were very different in college. And then when I got married, but now that I have a son and just a kid, it's like they're even more different now. And so I've actually had to, oh yeah, huge change, massive change. Wow. Cause you just, you know, you, you lose a certain amount of autonomy and freedom when you get married. You know, I think that's a, that's a little bit of a, it's not, it's not like you don't necessarily expect that when you get married. I mean, you're probably, it's like you lose, you're not, it's not just you, it's you and this other person. Right. Yes. And so if you're the kind of person that studies the Bible before you go to bed, well, you don't really do that as much when you're married, right? You have like, <laughs> yeah. you have different, you, and so it, it just, it changes. And I think when you're, when you have, you know, a son, like he wakes up anytime between like 545 and seven and mm-hmm. it's totally random. And so you're yeah. like, when is he going to wake up? And so I've, my life has changed. You'll think this is hilarious, dude. I wake up at like five to five thirty every morning now. Do you? Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? That's amazing. I mean, that's, well, it's just not normal for me. Yeah. It is the most unnatural thing in the world. Like I'm, I'm a night, I'm a night person. I'm not yep. a structured person. Discipline isn't something that comes naturally for me. It's something that feels actually kind of foreign, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be like a to wake up early. Like if you just say, oh yeah, I'm gonna wake up early at five thirty every morning and like consistently do that, 
most unnatural thing for me. Yeah. But I just eventually got to a point where I was like, this is the only way. Mm. The only way I am going to have time to study and dig deep into prayer and the word consistently. Um, so I, I've made a pretty large life change in the last wow. six months to just pursue yeah like depth of the word of god and so that's when i that's when i do it i wake up early before everyone else in my house is awake so mm-hmm. i go to sleep at the same time steph does but i wake up like an hour and a half what time are you going to bed 9 30 10 10 11 i mean it kind of fluctuates Steffi's a night owl so that's like she's like stay yeah. up like don't go to bed you know <laughs> um so a lot of mornings i wake up really tired yeah um, sure but it's cool like you you build a pattern and a rhythm and it just becomes who you are you know and so yeah. now i'm i'm now i wake up early nice that's good yeah. real practically do you have anything you do every morning like uh you know a routine and studying the word or like journaling or anything or is it just kind of like different all the time yeah um it's a little bit different right now we're praying through the psalms as a church Cool. We kind of, when all the coronavirus stuff happened, we just were like, man, how do we like stay connected and united? And we were like, man, we can just do that through prayer. You know, even though we're, we're far away physically, we can mm-hmm. join together spiritually. And so we're, we're praying through the Psalms. And so every morning right now, I'm starting by just opening the Bible. And so this morning was Psalm 8 and just like praying through Psalm 8, like thinking about that and listening to the podcast. We have a podcast we're doing like on just the, the Psalms. And so I'll listen to that and I'll What's pray through that. Praying the Psalms, yeah. Nice. So if you look it up, Praying the Psalms, Docs at Church. And, um, so yeah, some mornings I'll, I'll like record a podcast and, and, and do that, but a lot of mornings I'm just listening and kind of being part of that mm-hmm. with their church. And so I do that, but then right now I'm in Second Corinthians. And so it's just like, you know, sometimes it's like four verses and I just get messed up by something and just like sure. think about it a lot, meditate. And sometimes it's just like a, a larger chunk. So this morning I think I read like four chapters of Second Corinthians and yeah, it's great. And and then normally what I'm trying to do is, is I'm like reading the word in that time. I'm also like trying to connect with some of the guys I'm discipling. And so I'll like send out like, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. And just to try to not let the word come to me and stop, you know, sure. but like let the word be something that is changing me and is also like flowing out from me. Um, I think I'm actually pretty, I, I've recognized that's a weakness I have. Like I'll, I'll, I'll have like a ton of time with the Lord and just like keep it to myself. And I feel like mm-hmm. one of the things he started to say more is like, no, like you need to actually let that, like impact other people around you and specifically just the people that God's put close in your life. So even like talking with Steffi, like, Oh, this is what I'm learning. And this is what For you know sure. God's doing. And cause I'm a, I'm a pretty deep thinker. And so I can live in my internal world and not pull people into that. And I feel like that's one of the things that's been changing. Dude, that's good for me to hear. Cause I feel like I do that too, where I'll be like learning something, thinking about something. And uh-huh. for me, I've been thinking about it you know, for a while, I'm trying to think of an example, like with Jenny, she'll ask me something and I'll say a response that I've thought about for like a week now. She's like, wait, where'd that come from? Right. Or yeah. like my D group guys, you know, it's like, I say this thing that I'm like really passionate about because I've been thinking about it for so long, but th- it's the first time they've heard it. You know what I mean? Right. Totally. So that's good for, for me to hear, like, especially with this book, I talked about it last week with Luke feels like everybody in Veritas talking about it. It's uh, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Have you heard of it? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I bought it. I, I wanted to read his stuff because I feel like a lot of people are talking about it. Is yes. it good? Dude, amazing. And so okay. when I first read it, you know, I start going around to my D group guys or whatever. I'm like, you guys need to slow down. Whereas, you know, a week ago, I was living the same life that they were. I was just as hurried <laughs> right, as they were. Yeah. But yeah. now that I read it over spring break and I had time to think about it, you know, now I'm like getting on their case about it. 
<laughs> but I need to remember. Totally, no, totally. I need to bring them into my learning process and let them chew on it as long as I have been in order for them to feel the way I do. Oh, man. Know? Yeah, that's good. But, dude, you've like got that. to read it. What's it? I mean, is... I mean, the title feels like it's saying what the book is about. Is it essentially just that, like a life yeah. of simplicity? What yeah, stuck out to you from the book? So it's two parts. The first part is basically him going over the problem. Uh, he used to be the pastor of this massive mega church, mm-hmm. demoted himself like three times just because he stopped his life and he's like, looked around. He's like, wait, do I actually want the people in my church to look like me? And he's like, No. Like my life is hurried. It's not the mm. slow paced life of Jesus. Uh, he was really impacted by Dallas Willard, who also yep. really impacted John Orberg. So when yeah. John Orberg wrote that chapter, Unhurried Life, you know, we, we read it yeah, yeah. whenever last year. This is basically based off that whole chapter. And so like the forward is written by John Orberg. And, uh-huh. oh, cool. um, so then the intermission of the book the intermission is really cool. It's really a visually appealing book. Like unlike, unlike any other book I've ever read, the intermission in the middle, uh, the pages are black and the words are white. And so it's just kind of a switch up. And he's just huh. basically going over the easy yoke of Jesus. What that's like, what does that even mean? Like, cause a yoke is something you carry. It's like heavy, but Jesus yoke is easy. It's light. Mm. And so then he talks about in the second half of the book, four ways on how to do that. So his ways are silence and solitude. Oh, which man. he really roasts us for like our phone use, uh, simplicity, just, you know, simplifying your life, uh, Sabbath. And then the last one is slowing. And so slowing so, is most similar. So coronavirus. Dude. Yes, exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's one of the reasons I'm so impacted by it is because it came in my life at such an important time. Like hmm. when God literally puts a stop and he brings a Sabbath to most of the world it's like Mm -hmm. he wrote this last year so it's pretty recent but just more applicable now than ever so yeah dude you you will love it it's so nice yeah it's on my it's on my list when i when i read it all yeah your ring we'll talk about it that's sweet um so let's let's actually kind of go into that into your what how you're processing dealing with the coronavirus and kind of quarantine life uh Cause you're in Madison, Wisconsin. So how is it crazy up there? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's probably, it's probably about like anywhere. I mean, I, I think we were, weren't the first Midwest state, I think maybe second to Illinois to just like yeah. close everything and give like a stay at home order. So our, ours isn't called shelter in place. It's safer at home, which I think is <laughs> safer just at a home? less. Yeah. Safer at home. Yeah. Nice. Which it basically means don't leave your house, but yeah. So we're, we're basically quarantined in our house and, and stuck inside and so, yeah, all our meetings are, you know, I mean, just like you guys, you know, everything's online. And yeah, I feel um, like we're, we're good. You know, we're fine. Like God has been like uniquely faithful to us right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what the future holds, right? I think the thing I've been struck by is how there's actually very little that's changed about our world mm. um, in, the, in the face of this. But everything that's always been true, we like see it clearly now. You know, so I feel like, you know, death has always mm. been part of our world, but man, we feel like that's, we feel that truth like really up close. And, you know, it's always true that we have no idea what tomorrow holds and we have no wow. control over anything. But what coronavirus has done is just make uh, clear what's always been true. Hmm. And so I, I think in some ways people are just feeling, 
the realities of the world in a very like real way right now. And, and I think I am too, you know, there's been some moments of yeah nervousness and fear. And so it's been cool to like kind of pray through that. And even as someone who's not an anxious person or a fearful person, like I, I just, have, I've experienced certain feelings and emotions that are like very, very rare for me to feel and experience. And so it's been very cool to like just connect with God over those things and like have him meet me where I'm at and mm-hmm. to recognize like, man, he totally knows what it's like to be, you know, to like, to be in a situation like this, to be in a world that is like, you know, just like kind of unknown. And there's like this future and you're like, like, what do you, you know, and just, he just, he knows what it's like to be human and he knows what it's like to live in a broken world. And so it's been cool to connect with him over, over some of those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I got to teach on Acts 17. So I taught this last Sunday and, and if anyone wants to listen to that, they can go and find on docsupmadison.com. But I was blown away by that text because we, we didn't. It wasn't a one-off message. It was just like in our series in Acts. Sure. And it's where Paul rolls up into Athens, and you know he his heart, like his spirit. It says that his spirit has a seizure within him. Like it's just like see. I mean, he has this wow. like overwhelming, like visceral reaction to the city because it's filled with idols. It's like mm-hmm. filled with idols, you know. And he, you know, eventually gets to the Areopagus, and he, you know, has this huge audience. And he remember he like talks about this altar to the unknown god. Yep. Right, he's like, yeah, this altered to the unknown God. Now I'm here to proclaim to you who that is. It's it's God. He created, you know, he created the world and everything in it. You know, he, he doesn't dwell in temples in my hands. He's not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Right, the whole thing, and this altar that was built to the unknown God. Do you know when they made it? Mm-hmm. Like when they built this altar, dude. It was during a plague. Really? Yeah, like it was during a plague. And mm-hmm. so the thing that was just like striking to me about that was like. You know, it feels like what God is doing in this moment is it feels like he's taken a divine hand and just like cleared everything off the table. Like our plans, our, our you know, our illusion of control, our, our financial future. I mean, just like everything just like cleared it off the table. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just having a sit in a place of like kind of silence and Sabbath, but also like as, as all of our idols just come crashing to the ground, you know, it feels like that's what's happening in this moment. And it was just fascinating that Acts 17, it's like they had wow. that moment too. 30,000 gods in Athens, 30,000 like public statues and idols. And they still had to create an extra one, like to the unknown God. Hmm. Because, you know, in the, in the face of a plague, all of their gods failed. Wow. You know, and, and so I just, I'm, I just remember reading that and thinking like, wow, that is, that's totally what God's doing right now. Or at least like one of the things that it feels like he's doing in my life. Yeah, it's it like exposes like that human knowledge of like there's something out there that's so interesting that you say 30,000 not one of them could like account for what was happening you know right yeah and so I'm I'm curious I've, I've always been curious uh like thank goodness that God started a relationship with me when I was really young, but I've always been curious mm. what it would be like to truly not believe and to truly not know. And so I'm wondering like if in this time people are becoming aware of like, there's something out there. Like they've just been numb this whole time, but now they're like all the things, all these idols in my life, these 30,000 idols in my life, none of them can withstand this. None of them can account for this. And so I, I'm wondering if, you know, some sort of great revival or awakening or something's going to come, but yeah, so interesting be, to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that. 
I'm yeah. praying for that. Um, so one of the things that you texted me about when I said, what do you want to talk about? And you, you talked about yeah. this coronavirus, uh, like sitting and stopping. You talked about like being quiet, mm, like sitting yeah. long enough to like be quiet and like hear from God. What does that mean to you? Like sitting in silence, especially in this time? Yeah. Okay. So what, what that came out of was we were talking with our, some of the student leaders up in Madison and, and one of them named Amanda. I don't know if she listens to this or not, but if she does, shout out to Amanda. <laughs> she, she was talking about how she's learning to be quiet before the Lord. And she said something that just, just I mean, kind of blew me away. And it's, it's a thought I've had, but I hadn't heard it articulated like this before. And she was just like, I'm realizing right now that I've been, like, it isn't that God hasn't been speaking in my life. It's just, I've been way too loud to hear him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like that is true, you know? And I was even talking about that in the sermon from Sunday. Like, I think that God is always saying stuff. And he's he's like, he's actually talking all the time. Like he's, and the problem is just like, we fill our life with so much noise and so much like, you know, as soon as, soon as there's a quiet moment, what do we do? We pull out our phone and yeah. we just like, it's just this muscle memory of escaping from the stress of our life. And we don't know how to rest. And I think for me, yeah, silence and solitude it's, just, it's as hard as it is for anyone my age. You know, anyone who's a millennial, like, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you grow up with these, like, quick hit pleasures of, like, your phone and even the way we consume media. Like, it really, I mean, I'm sure this book that he's, you know, this John Mark Comer book is about yeah. all this stuff. But I, I feel like Jesus spent a ton of time in solitude and silence. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he started his ministry by just literally hanging out in the barren desert right. for 40 days. Like, I mean, obviously, there's some theological things going there. He's, like, reliving Israel's story. But, like, he's also just doing that as a human being, like, going out into the desert, which there is not a darn thing in the desert, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's just finding silence and solitude in prayer. And I, man, I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like that's one of the things that God has to be saying in this. Just because the way, like, it, part of it is the virus, but more of it is just, like, the way we're responding as a culture is to shut down everything. And so it just feels like God is saying, hey, slow down. And find more of your identity through being than doing. Nice. You know, because I mean, I mean, most people right now, at least a lot of people are like the things that I find my identity from, like even doing even ministry. Right. Right. I mean, think about us, man. We're like trying to FaceTime people and we're trying to like, we're trying to still do ministry through this like incredibly unproductive medium of like social media and online. And it just feels like part of what God's saying to all of us is just like, all right, what if the only thing you have is that you're just my child? Mm. what if that's what you have that that's it is that is that enough and i think for me i'm like yes it is it is but it's only until you have everything stripped away and that's all you have that you realize it's still enough you know mitchell carlson one of our missionaries from uh from madison like you know he's he's all over you know heading over to east asia everything gets shut down you know Mm. they're headed back so he's like you know down now south and they're like they're in quarantine and it's just like He's like, what do I do with this? And his his answer is basically just that. Like, God's teaching me how to find my identity from being overdoing. And I think that's Dang, man. a big thing he's doing. Dang, that's good. Yeah, he dropped that on me and I was like, dang, that is, <laughs> yeah, that is good, man. Like, Yeah, we all need that word. That's, that's good. What are you, okay, is you're like sitting in the, like, I know you're, like, the host that's supposed to ask the questions. No, but like, no, no, go for what, it. How are you feeling about, like, are you feeling, like, weirdly unproductive and frustrated by this season? Or are you just, like, still clicking along? Like, 
I'm hanging out with people online now. It's not that different. Dude, I feel... I feel different than I... If you would have told me two months ago, hey, you know, in a month, everything you're used to is going to get <laughs> shut down. How do you think you're going to respond? I don't think I would have said the way that I am responding now. Huh, yeah. Um, I think that by God's grace and by, honestly, that book that I read and just being mm. forced to stop, I've actually really been enjoying this. Um, yeah. Jenny and I, well, here's another reason. Jenny and I just recently bought a house, uh, you know, almost two months ago. So our rhythms look like, I've been trying to really stick with my routine in the morning. So waking up at six, even if I don't have to, uh, still drinking my coffee, reading my Bible, reading newspaper like I usually do, working out at nine, whatever. Um, then after that, it's like work as hard as you can at ministry, whatever that looks like nowadays, you know, calling students, preparing a sermon, whatever. And then after that, we're busy with the house. So, mm. but then, you know, we're relaxing at night too. And, um, so we've just had some great time together. Like it's been really good for us. Not that like things were bad before, but like, man, we're just really enjoying the quality time together. Uh, I feel one of the things I've done too is really shut my phone up. Like mm. no notifications at all. So like nothing pops up on my phone, not even the little red badge in the corner. If I, if I have a text, I have to open up my phone, click on the message app and then see it. Um, oh man. And so that nice. has really, I was telling the salt staff this yesterday, that has really made me feel free from like my phone. And so I just feel like some good disciplines came into my life by God's grace at a great time that like, and I, I, I kind of feel guilty saying this cause I know a lot of people aren't, but I feel like I'm thriving in this. Mm. And so, but what you're saying about being overdoing is something I feel like I've really been focusing on too. Cause like, I, dude, I, you can't do good ministry right now. You just can't. I mean, you can try. You don't think, you don't think, Oh, I don't, I mean, you can, I, mean, I know, I know, I know what you're saying, but I feel like it's been weirdly. It's like, good. Like when we yeah. call, we're trying to call all of our student leaders, check up on them, have them call their secret leaders, all that stuff. Every, basically every single student's like, Hey, thanks so much for calling. Like mm-hmm. that means a lot. And so the little that we are able to do is going a long way. And you know, the podcast we're putting out and we're trying all this live stream stuff. It is going well, but it's, it doesn't even compare to like actually being able to shepherd your D group sitting across from them. You know, that's what I mean. So we're not meant to, we're not meant to connect through screens. I mean, there's no question about it. Like there's something deeply inhuman about trying to connect with people. Like obviously we're able to, like we're having a human connection, but this would be better if we were in person. For sure. It's, it's, uh, yeah. For sure. Do you think that, do you think that people are going to move more into the online world because they've developed like patterns and rhythms of like being online oh, a bunch? Man. Or do you think it's going to snap back and people are going to be like, no, like forget, like we just had a quarantine for two years where we kind of just like did only the things we normally do, which like Netflix, Facebook, Instagram, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're done with that. So we're going to actually go back towards this like more face-to-face simplicity, human interactions. Which way do you think it's going to go? I really hope that it's the latter. I really hope people start pushing against 
their phone. I mean, surely, surely people are getting sick of it, you know? Um, yeah. So I hope that people rebound in a really healthy kind of back to our human nature way. But I think that Satan is going to probably try and just keep people so sucked in and numbed and addicted, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but we're doing a thing called the round table where every Wednesday mm-hmm. at noon, Mark is doing something. He's, he's uh, spending time with some people. Well, last yeah. week it was him and Jeff and his friend, Ed Noble, who yep, was I listened to it. Dude. Yeah. Amazing. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Just like pretty much the worst possible time. I mean with, you know, us being so addicted to our phones, it's like what's Satan going to try and do just keep us on them even more, like give us more time yeah. to do that. And, I was reading in the newspaper, it's like Facebook and Twitter's numbers are just surging, like 50% increase across the board because people are just, they have nothing else to do. Right. But I totally. think, I think people will get sick of it. If I had to guess, I would guess that people would push against it and start to leave that a little bit once all this is done. If I had to guess, that'd be my hope. Cool. Yeah. Good. I'll, I'll uh, assume you're right. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, another one of the things that you m- mentioned that I also, when I hear this word, I think of you, it's wanderlust. <laughs> nice. Um, when I hear this idol, I think of you no, totally. No, because, because you <laughs> yeah. push against that idol so much, probably better than anybody I know. Um, oh, man. And you gave, you actually gave a sermon on it once, and it impacted Jenny, my wife, so much that she got a tattoo based off that sermon. I think I told you that before. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. it's like you, you just kept talking about how this isn't it, right? You're, you're using the illustration of like visiting Iowa, but you're standing underneath the welcome to Iowa sign. <laughs> and right. they're like, oh, yeah, cool, we're that. in Iowa. And you're like, yeah. no. like. And then you obviously pointed that towards heaven and towards the good life, the real life. Yeah. But anyways, that that impacted Jenny so much that that's so funny. I always forget she got a tattoo. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> Based off something you said. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, where does that, uh, the passion for that come from? Man. I mean, I, everyone's wired in super different ways that to me, for, for me, that is just something that is so deeply felt within me. I, it's hard for me to even explain. Like mm-hmm. when, when people ask me about backpacking and just, yeah, putting a backpack on and going out into the mountains and just being out there, whether it's by myself or with a, a crew of friends or something, it is really hard for me to explain how deeply meaningful and good that is for me. Mm. I mean, it is like profoundly good. And I think that, you know, like, I think part of it is just because there's some thing that we experience of God in his creation, you know? And I think like, you know, architecture is beautiful and it's an expression of creativity. And, you know, so I think you can connect with something of the creator in the way we create, but man, to just be out in nature, like there is something in that that is really good. And, you know, I think we're, our generation is all about this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we are honest enough to look at our parents and honest enough to look at the generations that have come before us. And like, we're, we're a hypercritical generation, you know? And so I think we're able to look, you know, before us and say, oh yeah, like the way you guys put your trust in money and the way you guys like sacrificed some of our childhoods on the altar of your careers and your success, like we don't want that. We're out like that. You know, we can like, it's easy to see the idolatry that someone else has. Mm -hmm. 
And I think especially when it's like a generational divide, you can just look at the generation above us and go, you guys, like you ruined our country, you ruined our culture. I mean, you know, I mean, I think that's like the normal kind of postmodern millennial way of thinking. And like, we've said, we don't believe those idols satisfy. So we're going to go try to find some different ones that do. And I think the answer we've come up with is not money, but story and not Mm. success, but authenticity. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, Wanderlust in some ways encapsulates that. It's like adventure and story and experience. Like that is what makes us truly human. And so that is the thing we need to run after. And yeah, man, that's something I feel deeply because I'm a child of my culture just like everyone else is. And so for me, yeah, part of following Jesus is having to like honestly admit that part of me really does believe that that is what will bring me joy and wholeness. Mm. And I mean, man, part of this whole thing, like, that was so brutal for me on the front end of it was like, you know, we had the spring break trip planned to Colorado and it was going to be awesome. And I remember sitting at a table with like, (laughs) you know, it's me, it's Rob Warren, it's some of like the elders in training, it's Ronnie. And we're like, we have 27, you know, salt students, like we're going to head to Colorado and basically hike, climb, snowboard. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing trip. And we're just sitting there and it's like, should we do this? It's yeah. like when coronavirus is, you know, and it, everyone around the table is like, no, 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 no. And it gets to me and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, we should, you know? And I, I mean, I was just clinging to that so much. Yeah. And it was so funny because when God ripped that out of my hands, and was like, nope, you're not gonna be able to do this. The university said no travel for student orgs. I'm like, okay, shoot. Mm. And then it was like, well, at least we'll do a little camping trip, right? Like this little, you know, and then, and then it was like, no, you can't do that. And I was like, well, I'm going to text this kid. We're gonna, I'm going to go climbing with this, you know, one of the students named Tyler is like a friend of mine. And then his parents were like, no, you can't go because we're afraid of coronavirus. Oh, and it was just like, gosh. it was such a funny, it was such an ironic moment for me because it just felt like God was so clearly saying, oh, no, 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 David, you're not even going to get a little bit of this idol. Yeah. Like none. There, there's If you had any hope... <laughs> that you going outside and finding adventure was going to be the thing that would satisfy you. I'm going to completely take that away from you, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's, that's crazy, man. That's funny. So do you have any desire? I mean, I know you just got to Madison and you're really enjoying it there, but do you have any desire to plant a church out in like Colorado? Do you think that could be healthy for you? Or do you think that would be like, no, that's just like too dangerous dude that is that is like the question that is like <laughs> bouncing around my soul every night yeah. is yeah you know and it's, it's an interesting question because half of it is it depends how i ask it you know if i ask the question like god is it okay if i mix my um my dreams with yours mm. the answer is no um but if the if the question is like who are the people that God's uniquely gifted me to reach, you know, and who are mm-hmm. the people that I get, who are the people that I understand, you know, like God might call me to, you know, whatever, like inner city Detroit or something. It's sure. just like, you know, I, I feel like I don't have the the kind of life experience to speak to a lot of that. And I mean, it'd be so cool. Like if, if that's where God calls me, like that is awesome. Because I have the only thing I need, which is the spirit of God and the gospel to reach people like that mm-hmm. and to reach a, a culture like that or to reach a you know, a demographic or whatever it is. Like, but I think when I'm asking like, who has God uniquely gifted me to reach? Um, I do think it's a specific kind of culture and a specific kind of people, you know? And so for me, that's kind of how I'm trying to answer the question of where should I go and plant church? It's, is who am I? How's God gifted me? But also just mm. where's God going? You know, cause sure. planting a church, man, like 
that's about the scariest thing you can do. Like, I mean, it is like a weighty, yeah. really extremely weighty thing to not just be handed, like handed the reins of a ministry that you need to steward and lead well. Like that was hard enough with Salt Company. Mm-hmm. But to break out and just be like, okay, like I'm going to go and I'm going to start something new. Like that terrifies me. Mm. Partly because I know my sin. You know, there's all kinds of inadequacies that we all have and feel. And, you know, there's that looming question of like, do I have what it, it takes? And you know, I mean, the answer is always no, but you know, <laughs> the spirit of God does, mm-hmm. right? But so, yeah, I think for for if we're going to step out and do that, and we're going to take that step of faith, the last thing we're going to do is go somewhere that we want to go that God isn't leading. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be really cool if we could go out west, um, but it just the question is like, where should we go? You know, and, and I don't know. Um, there's a lot of really cool cities that are, you know, out east. There's a lot of really cool places in Wisconsin that are like super compelling and exciting mm-hmm. and. So yeah, for us, it's just like really trying to, you know, in some ways it's what we're saying, get quiet enough that you can hear what God's saying. Mm-hmm. Dang. It, so is that the plan to plant a church or is it still kind of up in the air? Yeah, 2022 is kind of the the stated goal for us to, to plant a church in 2022. Wow. Um, yeah, and there's still like, we're, we're super open-handed, you know. We haven't like stepped on the quite the two-year track yet. So like, you know, Luke, he's, he's 2021. And so he's kind of, a year ahead of us and like, mm-hmm. you know, getting, so f- this summer for him is going to be like go time for, for, for Columbus. And so we're a year kind of behind him. And so for us, it'd be like the next, this summer we'll start thinking about it. Next summer we'll start really Dude, rolling towards that's it. That's crazy. I can't wait to see what it happens. It is crazy. Yeah. It feels very crazy. So then what, this is a question I'm kind of asking myself too. Like, uh, I don't know how to phrase it though. The people that you are talking about that you would be able to reach the best. Yeah. Those people who are drawn to the mountains, uh, to climbing, backpacking, all that stuff. What is it about the location or those people that draws them to those places? You know what I mean? And then, so like, why are oh, you totally yeah good at reaching those people? Cause I totally agree. You totally would be amazing at reaching those people. But like, what is it about that place? Those people? Well, I think in some ways it's like everyone has, man, everyone has a different way of trying to find God, you know? Like we're all, it's post-Eden, like we have a gaping hole in us mm-hmm. that is the creator. Like that's, it's his place. He's the only, you know, key that can that can fit that lock. And I think everyone has a different way of trying to find that. And so I think that, you know, places like Denver or like Boulder, Fort Collins, places like Boise, Idaho, you know, Boise, Idaho is a place I'm super thinking of. It's just a very interesting place. Yeah. Um, it's super far away, super far away. Yeah, so yeah. it probably won't, which probably won't happen anytime soon. But Places like that are, I think, filled with people who think that life is about experiences and aesthetic beauty and the mountains. Like, sure. this, so I think I the the reason there's a certain kind of person that you know that fits that. It's artistic types. It's intellectual types. Um, like, obviously, in everywhere you go, you have every spectrum of person. Right? You, you, there's no city in the world that has like one type of person. But people do tend to congregate, you know, in certain kinds of places, and totally. So yeah, I think it's like an idol of the aesthetic for a lot of, a lot of people in those kind of mountain towns. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question to think about. For myself, I've been thinking like, what type of people would I be best at reaching? Right. Because here's yeah. what I here's what I thought about the other day, not the other day, but like recently. I think I'm way more Midwestern than I think I am, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, I think that that has, that's actually made up a huge part of who I am. And like, 
wrestling, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, that's actually pretty Midwestern. And oh, totally. So, it is. yeah. You know, then would I even be the type of person to plan dude, a church? Iowa City is your, Iowa City is your Mecca, man. See, it's dude, the, that's my thing. It's the, <laughs> yeah. It's like, is church planning in the car for me or yeah. should I just stay here where seemingly I kind of fit and I love it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So how have you, how have you been processing that? I mean, I don't even know if this is a conversation you want to get into on this, but if you, if you like, you know, you're doing ministry more like Ryan's leading salt now, yeah. you're like, continue to like lead stuff. Like, have you gotten any more of a beat on what you want to do with, with my life like basically? Future and yeah. What are you going to, what are you going to do the rest of your life? That's basically what I'm, Dude, that's basically what I'm asking. I honestly have no idea. Um, trying to stay really open handed with it in the regards of either going or staying. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like God is still calling me to do ministry at this point in my life. Like I, yeah. I don't feel any pulls like out of it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I feel like God's blessed it, but you know, the, the only question I'm really wrestling with is one that I think I've been wrestling with for a while. Is like, what could I go somewhere all the way? Like West coast, Mm-hmm. Or should I just stay here? Like, who's the best type of people to reach the people that I'm most drawn to, which is probably like a LA, San Diego, Santa Barbara, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yep. if I could if I could go anywhere, that's the kind of place I'd go. By the way, I'm not saying that <laughs> we're planning it, you know, for the listeners, we're planning a church there anytime. This is just... We're just spitballing here. Um, Mikey, why are you crossing your fingers as you're saying that? Stop. No, okay, I was going to say, wait, am I? No, stop. Um, just like if I had to say who am I most drawn to, it's either like Iowa City right here right now or yeah. like some sort of California materialism, you know? Like yep. if, if you're saying what I think you're saying is you are good at pushing against wanderlust because that's kind of what you're drawn to and you can speak best to those people. For me, it's like materialism and an infatuation with self, I think. Dude, those are the types of people that if I, if God didn't have his hand on my life, I think I would be like that. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, obsessed with myself and more things and sunny San Diego, that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, man, I mean, you know, that's like what I'm drawn to. So I don't know, man. Uh you know, those are the questions. Well, the trick of the trick of it is though, is like we, like God always sends us to people who are different than us. I mean, Paul's thing, right? He says like, "Oh, I'm mm-hmm. a Jew to Jews, I'm a Gentile to Gentiles," and I do think that like, you know, we have to be that. Like, no matter who we are in life, we have to be people who are not going to people who are just like us. Like, there can be certain there can be a certain strategy of saying, "Hey, I uniquely get this person's voice, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to them," you know, or even. But man, if we follow that far at all it becomes like a radically unhealthy place i mean what kind of a church would it be if you if it was a bunch of people just like me totally. it'd be a horrible totally. church right it'd be a horrible church it'd be you know ethnocentric it'd just be like there's just one group of people that look like me and think like me mm-hmm. and so you know by the grace of god i think the gospel is something that no matter who it's spoken by it is powerful to save all kinds of people yeah people from every single background every single race every single story and, you know, I've, I've experienced that. I'm like, man, half the people, I mean, this is the funniest thing about it. Half the people I most get 
dude, I haven't won hardly any of them to Jesus. You know, I'm like at the climbing wall. I'm hanging out with these guys. I'm sharing the gospel. And I'm like trying to kill it at the wall, you know. Dude, so little fruit. But it's like the people that, you know, the people that are different than me, like they hear me preach and they're like, I became a Christian. And it's like, so, you know, I think there's something, there's something to the conversation we're having, but I, I do think there's something to just, man, like Jesus uses people to save people. Yes. And no matter who you are, no matter how how you speak, your background, like the power is not in the messenger and your ability to communicate effectively to people. Mm-hmm. The power is in the message. And I think, you know, Paul would say that. And I, and I, I feel like that just proved true for totally. me. And so I think the question of like, well, yeah, where do we go? I think, I think it's a, it's a worthwhile question because just of strategy, right? It's like, where do we, mm-hmm. you know, wh- where's a place where we could really be effective and what does that look like? But man, if, you know, for most of my time in college, like I wanted to go to Southern China, you know, sure. I wanted to go to an unreached people group in Southern China and I got nothing in common with those people. Sure. You know, I'm like, suit, there's not like anything about that culture that's near at all. It's very far. Um, so for me, the one of the biggest questions I'm asking is not where is a place that's, like me or where are people who are like me I can reach I think the biggest question I'm asking is like where places that either seem like to be ripe for a movement of the gospel or where are places that have a tremendous amount of need and I want to be in one of those two places right a place that's either like this place is about to explode God's going to bring revival or this is a place that is incredibly dark and if I don't go here and I don't preach the word man like who's going yep. to, you know? And so I, I feel caught between those two places. Yeah. Praise God that what you're saying that it does not matter. Like we can strategize all we want, but like ultimately he's going to get his way. He's going to, he's going to save people regardless of who you are. And so, yeah, that's like kind of back to where I was like, it doesn't even really matter what I think. I mean, I'm just going to try and be open handed and see what happens. I mean, dude, you know, our lives can change with, a phone call, you know, like really, mm-hmm. there's no point in, I mean, dude, even like this virus, you know, what is your life? Y- you have no idea. So yes, great strategize. It's fun strategizing all that stuff, but praise God that he's in control and he's going to use us and it's good. Dude. So we've, uh, we've put in, oh, I don't even know, probably close to an hour here. Uh, has it seriously been an hour close to it here? Let me check. No way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Real close. Hmm. Um, so closing down, usually I have a, a closing question prepared. I don't have anything prepared, but how about this? Something just popped in my head. One thing that I'm curious about, what's something you're unable to do now that you're super excited to do once the quarantine's over? Oh man. One thing I'm unable to do now that I'm super excited to do when quarantine is over um, well, okay. Like the thing I'm doing every morning is praying the Psalms. Okay. So the Psalms, I will just sell, I will just admit this freely. They are one of the most confusing parts of scripture for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm such a theologian. I think that like when I read the Psalms, I'm just like, what the heck? Like, yeah. you know, I'm praying through Psalm seven yesterday and I had to like lead through that. And you know, that's where David is like, God judge me according to my righteousness and my goodness. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I feel like there's a part of my emotional life and a part of my humanity that just because of the way I was raised and the way that I think about the Bible, the way I kind of approach God, that just like isn't, it's not 
fully alive and f- flourishing and clicking. Because I think that there's just things that the psalmist will say that I'm like, man, I don't know if I'd say that, or I, mm. I'm, an, I'm, I struggle to pray that out loud. Wow. And I, and I feel like, man, these are God's words that He gave to us to pray back to Him. Right? This isn't David's words. These are God's, you know. And I, and I, so I feel like, I feel excited to press into a part of Scripture that has always kind of felt more distant than some other parts. You know, and part of it is just the life I've lived, you know, like I haven't had a tremendous amount of suffering, right? I haven't had a, you know, I've, God's been like pretty, um, has blessed me in that kind of way, you know? I, mean, I think it's also a blessing to have hardship, right? But so I feel like excited to do that, excited to become someone that the Psalms get like pushed deep enough into that I start to feel them and I start to become someone that's shaped by that part of scripture. Nice. So that's my Dude, answer. Dude, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, if somebody has further questions for you, they want to get a hold of you. How can they go about doing that? Yeah, they can send me an email, davidplivingston at gmail.com. Boom. Yeah, I, I don't really have social media or anything. I mean, I think I do. I gathered all that stuff I have on Instagram and Twitter, but I've never actually activated it. Oh, I just yeah. kind of got it when it came out because I was like, man, I might want this someday. Nice. So I'm going to get my get my Dude, name I've been tagging you on the Green Salt Instagram. I posted the past couple days, like, you know, episode with David and. Dude, more than any other episode, people are messaging me. Oh my gosh, yes, can't wait. This is, you know, long time coming, been too long. And uh, oh, nice. so, you nice. know, maybe they're going to some account that's like, you don't even have anything on it. <laughs> oh, totally. They're like, I wonder if he's posted his first Instagram yeah, yet. Yeah. He's been on Instagram exactly. for seven years or whatever. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, Dave, dude, thanks so much, man. This was a blast and uh, I've been waiting to do this for a long time. So oh, it's appreciate it's it. Appreciate uh, the man you are in my life and, and just the, the role model, the way you've I mean, you're the one who gave me, you know, my first opportunities to do ministry. You believed in me before anybody else did. And so thanks, man. Well, no, you're, you're very welcome. And yeah, you're a good friend, man. Yeah. Love All you. Right. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Yeah, see ya. Boom. There you have it, everybody. Thanks for making it this far. If you made it this far into the episode, I appreciate it. appreciate all the support. I hope you guys are uh, enjoying some more episodes rather than once every two months uh but you know uh don't think i have anything else for you guys hope you're doing well stay safe stay clean out there we'll be back with you soon love you guys